Hi there, I'm Lane and this is Property Explained. These are my words and now I'm going to read them to you. Episode 51, Debt to Income Ratios, Everything You Need to Know About DTIs. The Reserve Bank will likely introduce debt to income restrictions within the next 12 months or so. And this means you might not be able to borrow as much money to invest or to buy a property. While an official DTI has not been announced yet, the Reserve Bank has given itself permission to bring one in at any time. This means the number one question on everyone's mind is, how will DTIs affect my portfolio and the property market? So in this article, you'll learn what DTIs are, why the Reserve Bank is choosing to implement them, and what the future might look like for a DTI-influenced investment market. So let's get started. What is debt-to-income ratio? So debt-to-income ratios, or DTIs, limit how much you can borrow and ties that to your income. So for instance, they could introduce a new rule that says 85% of the money each bank lends has to have a DTI of 7 or less. The final number hasn't been set, but the Reserve Bank will likely bring in a DTI of 6 times or 7 times the annual income. Here's a couple of equations for working it out. So debt-to-income ratios for your own home is your annual income times the DTI ratio equals your maximum borrowing amount. So if your household earns a combined income of $150,000 a year, multiply that by 6 or 7, and that's the maximum amount that you can borrow. Or you can use our DTI calculator. The link for that is in the article that you're listening to. So how is debt-to-income ratios calculated? Let's go through a couple of examples to understand how a DTI works both for owner-occupiers and for investors. Let's start with owner-occupiers first. Let's say you own your own home, but you don't own any investment properties. You and your husband both earn $75,000 each a year. That's a combined income of $150,000 for your household. If the DTI is set at 7, you multiply this by your household income. So 7 times $150,000 equals $1.05 million. That's the maximum amount that you can borrow. But that doesn't mean that you can only afford a house worth $1.05 million. That's just the lending. We also need to factor in your deposit. Now let's say that you have a 20% deposit. So the maximum price that you can pay for a house is about $1.3 million. That's broken down into the amount of lending that you can borrow and the $260,000 cash deposit. But now let's look at an example of another couple with the same household income, but these guys already own their own home and now they want to invest in property. This couple has owned their property for a while and they've paid down the mortgage to about $450,000. If we multiply their income by seven, the maximum amount that they can borrow is also $1.05 million. But they are already borrowing $450,000, so we've got to take that off the maximum that they can borrow. This gives you how much extra that they can still take out for an investment property. For this couple, they could potentially borrow an extra $600,000. But we also need to factor in rental income. So, assuming that they can purchase a property with a 4% gross yield, they could borrow a maximum of about $833,000 based on 100% lending. That's because an $833,000 property would earn almost $33,000 in rent, which would count towards the DTR calculation. So the calculation goes like this, $150,000, their income, plus $33,000, applicable rental income, times 7. And that equals to about $1.28 million worth of debt. From this example, you've probably worked out that the calculations for investors are a bit more tricky. So it's a good idea to work with a mortgage advisor to see how much you can borrow if this is your situation. While we've used a 7 times DTI here, the Reserve Bank hasn't actually announced what the DTI limit would be if introduced. So that's also something to bear in mind. Okay, 
So give it to me straight. How much do I need to worry about DTIs as an investor? And this is a question that all investors are wondering. Yes, it's true. Property investors are more likely to be impacted by debt-to-income ratio, as well as owner-occupiers who have really big mortgages to their name. And these are the groups who tend to buy at high debt-to-income ratios. At the peak of the market, 40% of property investors were borrowing above a 7 times DTI. And 20% of other owner-occupiers, so not first-home buyers, were borrowing above the same amount. And only 10% of first-home buyers were buying a house with a mortgage above 7 times DTI. However, there are some exceptions to the DTI rules. New builds, for example, are exempt. So if you're investing in new builds, you won't have to worry about DTIs. With this in mind, how will DTI ratios impact the property market? Right now, a 7 times DTI would have little or no impact on the property market whatsoever. And that's because when the Reserve Bank introduces a DTI, it will look something like this. 85% of bank lending needs to be at 7 times DTI or less. But that still leaves 15% of borrowing that can be above that amount. And right now, not many people are borrowing at those high DTI rates. In fact, only about 6% of lending is above the 7 times DTI ratio. Why? Well, interest rates have increased, and banks have tightened their lending criteria, so it's actually pretty tough to borrow at any higher than this anyway. So if a 7 times DTI limit came in today, the banks are already well under that limit. Having said that, if a 6 times DTI was bought in, this would impact the property market, since 16% of bank lending is above that amount, and that's slightly above the expected 15% limit. In the article that you're listening to, there's a great graph that actually illustrates how much impact a debt-to-income ratio would really have. Okay, so if that's the case, then when would a debt-to-income ratio have the most impact? They will most likely impact investors in the peak times in the market when interest rates are low, banks are lending lots, and people are borrowing. However, it really is a different story in a thriving property market. At the peak, 24% of mortgage lending was above the 7 times DTI limit. Had one been in place at the time, about 10% of mortgage lending would not have happened. This would have made the property market less hot than it was, and property prices probably wouldn't have increased by as much as they did. And because DTIs slow down lending, they can be used to slow house price growth. And that leaves many property investors wondering, okay, well, will my investment property's value still go up if a debt-to-income ratio comes in? Well, let's have a look at the stats. Number one, DTIs tie credit growth to incomes. So let's pretend the whole country hypothetically, has maxed out all of its borrowing ability. If this were to happen, then our ability to borrow more money would be limited to how much incomes increase. And because incomes increase by about 4% a year, that's how much extra the country could borrow. That means that house prices could still increase by about 4% a year, solely from a lending perspective. But Kiwis have not maxed out their borrowing potential. Far from it. In fact, the average DTI in the country is currently sitting at about 1.71%. And that's because a third of households just don't have mortgages. This means on average, New Zealanders don't have that much debt, so a good number of people can still borrow money and spend it. Number two, the property market will behave more consistently. This is kind of like the Reserve Bank's goal anyway. They hope to moderate the property cycle to increase more consistently. Yes, we will still see property prices increase, but they will increase more slowly over time and more consistently as opposed to having these big booms and busts, which isn't healthy for the stability of the financial system. At the time of writing, house prices are falling. And at the time of recording, we've hit the bottom of the market. So at some point, house prices will start climbing again. And once they do, we will likely begin to see DTIs come in to slow down how fast property prices rise. The Reserve Bank says the earliest it will implement DTIs will be March 2024. 
it's so it's unlikely that the Reserve Bank would bring in a DTI ratio today, and that's not only because they need a year to sort out the computing systems. Only about 10% of property investors are currently borrowing above that seven times DTI ratio. House prices are declining and interest rates are really high, so the policy wouldn't really impact the market today. But as interest rates start to come back down and investors start to return to the market, it could be a different story. Okay, so finally, what can I do as an investor? Peter Norris, a mortgage advisor from Opus Mortgages, says if you're worried about DTIs affecting your investment portfolio, it's a good idea to assess your situation as soon as possible. So sooner rather than later. It's really much more stressful if you leave it too late to find out how DTIs will affect you. And the thing is, not everyone is going to experience DTIs in the same way. For example, those with larger portfolios or large personal incomes, owner-occupiers with low debt, low LVR borrowers and investors on higher yielding properties. But at the other end of the scale, it may be more of an issue for emerging investors and owner-occupiers. So if you're one of those two, it may be a good idea to chat to a financial advisor to see what the best option for you could be. Or another option is to invest in new build properties, which are exempt from the regulation. So you can keep borrowing money at high levels, as long as the bank is willing to lend you money, of course. The bottom line is, yes, DTIs can be daunting for some people. And on top of LVRs, the triple CFA and bank stress tests, some property investors are thinking, oh my goodness, am I ever going to be able to invest ever again? But there are still ways to get around it, don't worry. And if you are an investor, get in early and figure out what the impact on your portfolio will be, especially if you are one of the high-risk investors that I've just talked about. Getting in early will give you plenty of time to restructure things that will best serve you and your portfolio. Good luck. Good luck.